Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Radio with Nancy and Lisa and a nature photographer Margaret Carrera. We're having a garden party because today is National Gardening Day. And you just heard the song Lotus Blossom by Michael and Spider. You can get their music on Amazon. Uh, but we wanted to start with that song uh, because we are welcoming horticultural therapist, master gardener, and author Eric Keller on this show to talk about his new book, A Therapist's Garden, Using Plants to Revitalize Your Spirit. And you can go to his website, growhappy.com, and that's grow, it's G-R-O, growhappy.com. And you know what? He's in Connecticut, and his book really kind of follows the seasons and has all kinds of cool projects. It's just it's an you need the book. Just go get it in mm. any place that you want it. So welcome to the show, Eric. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm fine. In fact, you uh, apropos, you called me on probably the nicest day so far we've had this year. Oh, cool. See, it is <laughs> National Gardening Day. The gods know it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so can you grow? Uh, can you grow a lotus in 
Connecticut in the summer? In, indoors or outdoors, you can. Uh, you know, we are, we are somewhat uh, light and temperature challenged as it starts getting more toward the chilly seasons. But, yes, it is something you can grow. That, that's, I think that's always a challenge for us northern gardeners because mm-hmm. we see these beautiful tropical plants and sometimes stores will sell them or you can buy them in the summer. And then you find out that these plants that are, you know, perennials uh, are very much an annual when you subject them to the harsh New England weather. Mm, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, we're excited. We're coming to Connecticut uh, this year, this summer. Uh, ah, okay. And, and uh, yeah, we're going to be in a town called Baltic, Nancy. I think it's Baltic. Um, it's near Mystic, so I know we get to have pizza somewhere. Mystic Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, uh, the, the South Shore Pizza of uh, Connecticut is somewhat legendary. Yes, yep. we've got to do that. And then I think, Margo, don't you have family in Connecticut too? My daughter lives in Marlboro. Ah, see? And, yeah. And, uh, connection. yeah, my granddaughter also lives there. So, yeah. Ah. So the Marlboro Man. Yeah, the Marlboro Man. Yeah, a little out in the country. She likes having a garden. Speaking of ah. which, she loves ah. gardening. So oh, cool. something she grew up with. <laughs> ah. See, well, that's the thing. I think it's really good for you. You know, a good spirit for you. And, and by the way, Eric has an awesome Instagram account too. Eric, it's isn't it Grow Happy CT? Uh, yeah, for, uh, it's uh, it's hashtag Grow Happy CT, or if you were to look it up, it's Grow Happy underscore CT. Okay, mm-hmm. there you go for Connecticut, and we had to bring the Connecticut connection in here. But um, I don't think I've heard of a horticultural therapist until you know we found out about you and your book, um, a therapist garden. And so, is I mean, tell us a little bit about becoming a horticultural therapist. I just I have not heard of that, and I'm okay. really happy to hear uh, about it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a practice that's been around for a long time. In fact, much more so in other countries such as Canada and the United mm-hmm. Kingdom, where nature-based therapies uh, seem to get a lot more uh, respect than they mm-hmm. do, unfortunately, here in the United States. Uh, mm-hmm. To become a, a horticultural therapist, there are a wide variety of uh, programs you can take. Uh, the path I took was somewhat twofold. Uh, I first went uh, to um, a master gardening course in Connecticut, and every state in the United States has them. And if you love gardening and have some time, I would encourage you to look into uh, such classes and courses uh, in your state because they're just phenomenal in terms of the amount of knowledge they give you. Uh, plus, they're, they're not that expensive, so it's, it's ultimately the best of all worlds. But then After that, after I took my master gardening courses, uh, a number of years later, I went to the New York Botanical Gardens where they had a certification process in master gardening. And it was kind of a happy coincidence because my wife at the time was taking classes in botanical illustration. And and me Mm. being the nosy husband that I am, I was looking through the catalog she got from uh, the New York Botanical Gardens and tucked in the back was a certification courses in horticultural therapy. And when I saw it, it just clicked in my life. That I go, this is what I want to do. I want to try to work oh. with people and plants. And a lot of this came from dealing with uh, a number of things when I became a master gardener. One of the projects you have to do in community service is to work with some group. And, and I chose to work with a group of young women 
who were uh, basically in a juvenile detention center. And so mm-hmm. I worked with them and helped them uh, revitalize a greenhouse uh, while they were basically in prison. And it was a, a very rewarding experience. Wow. And then mm-hmm. after that, um, I decided once I saw this course, that's actually what I wanted to do with the next phase of my life. So I took certification courses. I worked with a wide variety of different groups and clients, which is part of the certification, and then uh, started to practice on my own uh, horticultural therapy in a variety of venues. Wow, cool. this is amazing. Yeah, and And working... Is. You know, in regards to, I know that you worked with girls in a juvenile detention center, and, you know, you got to think, you know, we're, I'm just looking at what's going on in our prison system, you know, our mm-hmm. jail system. You know, we're seeing a lot more youth and women actually in there. And th- all these reasons come from, from all the interviews we've done over the years and just reading and listening to other ones too. It seems that the youth and, and the women – Obviously, there's true psychopaths and, and, you know, real crazy, crazy criminals. But it seems that people are finding themselves in predicaments um, with trauma being the stem reason. And that it's really, you know, here, you get locked away, and what are we doing for mental health and for health of uh, these individuals that obviously had some stumbling blocks in their lives that led them on some a different path that wasn't, you know, productive or good, but it happens to people in life, and it doesn't mean that they're necessarily the crazy criminals, right? And so, um, you know, what was your experience through this, you know, seeing how the, the changes, did it help, you know, would you like to see more, like, gardening and being a therapy for inmates, you know, because these are people, they have feelings, and, Obviously, something went wrong, but to just keep them boxed up in a cell, I don't think really helps anything. Well, no, and, and you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, when I was working with these, uh, you know, young women or girls, I mean, they were typically between the ages of 13 and 17, and mm. they were incarcerated anywhere from like two to eight months. So, and you know, obviously I couldn't really get into the reasons why they were being mm. incarcerated, but my purpose was to help them revitalize a greenhouse and then bring some joy into their lives by working with nature. So I taught them how to propagate plants, uh, to start things from seed. And so it really changed the demeanor of these women because, I mean, if I was to show, if you were to look at this greenhouse, I mean, it's, it's behind barbed wire, right? So you have this incredible, yeah. beautiful greenhouse behind mm. barbed wire. And mm. so you, you think about that in terms of like gardens uh, and it's, it's a very sort of tough thing to do, but you know, with these, these girls, I was able to, within a couple of months, we weeded everything out. We cleaned up the greenhouse. I started getting them to propagate and they started to, change their whole attitude that, you know, to be outside was a wonderful thing to be given, to make sure that they behave properly and not endanger themselves or other people gave them the opportunity to go out and water the plants and weed a little bit and grow some things. And so some, some women went from being very sullen and, and prone to violence to being, you know, somewhat loving and different. And, you know, others would go and make, let's say for their mother, uh, flower baskets, from things they grew from seed. And they were so proud of that. They took such mm-hmm. care to make sure that they could take something from this like germ of a, of a seed into a beautiful flower, an arrangement of flowers that they could give to a parent or a guardian at another time. 
Mm. You know, it's a a step of success. And, you know, I know (laughs) children are children, and they're asked to cope with our daily lives as adults all the time. And they're not up for it because they're still children. And most children these days, sometimes you talk to like a three-year-old, I'm like, it sounds like a 70-year-old man. You know, they talk as if they're adults. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think they're just mimicking and they're they're saying things that they really, truly don't understand. I feel like we're pushing them so hard. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us. Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. And then there's the neglect side, you know, because parents have to, both parents usually have to work and children are bounced around. And I don't know. Oh, I yeah. just don't think, you know, that they're they're coping with anger and then they oh, yeah. get into trouble. And it's—I don't think it's their fault. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I and not, that, Go ahead. Uh, oh well, as you know, the thing is too is that uh, the other children that I've had a lot of experience with in is, and as it's recounted in the book, is I worked for three years at a facility called Green Chimneys in Brewster, New York, and mm. that's a school for at-risk children, uh, anywhere from the year of kindergarten to to the grade 12 and half mm. live there on site and then the other half don't. And so I worked in the gardens uh, with the children uh, of a variety of ages, uh, again, uh, using different therapies and do, using different practices to try to get through to them because they all had uh, very different problems uh, and they all had very different challenges. Uh, some were physical, some were mental, uh, some were emotional. Uh, so you, you have to use different ways of trying to reach them and to get positive things out of them working with plants. Hmm. Okay. I wanted to go to Margo on this because I know, Margo, uh, you have a, um, you know, the medical background, especially with Jorge, your husband, uh, Dr. Jorge Carrera. Um, what do you think about this in regards to for patients as well, um, medically mm. going through something? Because I know you, you know it's integrative health. You know we've talked about for years with you and Jorge um, that this is something beneficial just to keep the stress down. Oh my gosh, yes, um, yeah. I actually have a, a degree in psychology as well, and uh, so this fascinates me. Your book fascinates me. Uh, because I love gardening. <laughs> and, um, I can talk about it um, personally, actually, not just uh, from from the clinic or the doctor's office, but we always tried to keep our, our office beautiful. I, I always put up um, photography of flower gardens mm-hmm. and to make the area comfortable and peaceful while the patients were, were waiting to be seen and I remember uh, having a stress test once, and you have to run on this treadmill, and you're not feeling quite well. Because I was taking, uh, I had breast cancer, and I was taking chemotherapy, and they give you this stress test to make sure your heart's okay. 
And what do they have on the wall but the forest? And so I just took myself mentally out of off the treadmill and I placed myself in the forest and I just ran in the forest and I felt wonderful. And mm. I was able to finish the test and so but um but as far as uh health and recovery I really do feel that when I am stressed and I get uh, fatigued, and when I'm fatigued, I fill up by going into the garden. And for mm. some reason, just seeing the beautiful flowers and connecting with nature, it really uh, fills my soul. And mm. it it's like medicine for me to be in the garden. So that's my take on it. Mm. You know, I remember being in a doctor's office and a painting on the wall with a doctor with a mask on holding a baby, and it looked like by the neck, and holding Mm -hmm. a big syringe pointed at his little butt, and he's going to give this child a shot. And I walked. I couldn't couldn't sit there. I just, that painting disturbed me. This is so many years ago, and it still disturbs me. So I would like to say to doctors, please don't put stuff like that on the wall. And also stop with the white so, coats. Can we have flowers on the coats? You know, the white no, coats. I don't get it. They just well, stop the yeah. white coats and just get rid of them. Put some flowers on them. Yeah. You know, some trees. They call they call PSTD. <laughs> yeah, I go I go in there and I see the white coat and I get like, nervous. Ah. Exactly. <laughs> and my husband's exactly. a doctor. I know. Do you make him take the white coat off when he gets home? Because, like, no one wants to see it. I don't even see it. (laughs) He doesn't bring it home, even. Oh, good, good. Because it's like, no, no, none of that. But, Eric, I mean, mean, look, we're all getting freaked out already just thinking about doctors. Let's get in the garden. But you've worked with, uh, you know, special needs cancer patients. And, Mm. you know, some people we've uh, talked to, too, it's, it's, this is, can be part of the recovery because you can garden even, you know, if, if you're disabled in some way, you know, you can be in a wheelchair and wheel to a table and garden, you know. Absolutely. So there's, this is something everyone can do. Right, and, and that's why when I deal with the different client bases I have, I try to put things together so that uh, they can be successful and, and they can have uh, a positive experience. Uh, now, that's not to say that, you know, we're all not going to have a, quote, failure in the garden, although, honestly, I, I don't believe that there's failures in the garden. I think every failure becomes a learning experience if you look at it mm-hmm. through the right lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's the way I always think that you should look at gardening, not that you failed, but you've learned something new because nature has a way of throwing us curveballs all the time. Yeah. And uh, we, and a lot of things that we'd like to think are under our control aren't. Uh, so there's there's things with with my lessons that I always hope elicits a positive response. But you know, I'll give you two different examples of a similar, basically the same kind of exercise with very different responses. So um, uh, a number of years ago, I had a client, and uh, it was a gentleman, and he had just lost his wife to cancer. So at one of the places I practice at, Anne's Place in Danbury, Connecticut, it deals with people who have had cancer, families, and anything associated with the uh, with with cancer, uh, I have therapy classes for all of those different types of clients. And so a gentleman came in, and it was a aromatherapy class we were doing to making sachets. 
And so he comes in and sits down, and you know, he's, he's being quiet. He's chatting a little bit, but he's very quiet because he just lost his wife a few weeks ago. And one of the things that we do in the beginning of the class is we start passing around the herbs for, for different scents. So the herbs are being passed mm-hmm. around. And then all of a sudden he comes across lavender, and oh, he stops. Mm-hmm. And the reason he stops is he says, this reminds me of my wife. Our house always used to smell like lavender. Mm-hmm. And then he starts getting all teary. And then he says, I'm sorry, I have to leave. So he left. I never saw him again. Now, now that's not the kind of response I'm looking for, you know, when I bring my clients in. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that you find about horticultural therapy, particularly smells and aromas, is that they are incredibly powerful in terms Mm -hmm. of evoking old memories. All right. Mm -hmm. And so, so that evoked a memory of his wife that he wasn't at the point in his sort of recovery from grief that he could deal with. Now, Mm. A different example with a different ending. Um, another time, uh, same kind of thing. We're making sachets. Um, this woman comes in. Uh, she's heavy into chemo and radiation. She's a wisp of a thing. Her skin is pale and fallow. It's paper thin. Her eyes are sunken into her head. She's wearing a kerchief because she has no hair. Mm. She comes in. Again, same kind of exercise going around. Lavender comes to her. She brightens up. She says, this is the first time in two years I've been able to smell anything. Mm. And she goes, I can't believe it. So she just hoards it. And then she goes and goes for the rosemary. And she can smell that too. And she starts breaking down in tears. But they're tears of happiness because she's Uh able for the first time to, you know, smell things. And then everybody in the class starts crying because, you know, it's like you have this woman who's been through so much pain, so much suffering, and this moment of joy, this sort of, you know, uh, epiphany she's had of regaining a scent that she thought she lost and would never find again is just such a joyful event for her. So, you know, same exercise, two different Mm. outcomes. You know, your first example, I bet you at some point in that, man's life, he reintroduces lavender into his home. When oh, he's absolutely. Ready. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah but, but he wasn't ready for it at that point. Yeah, he it was, wasn't he was, ready. Things, yeah. Were, things were too raw. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But it's the same thing as, you know, I'm a musician and we had a band and uh, we lost our bass player mm. not too, well, a few years ago and it was very sudden. He's a young guy and it was very, very close to him and, um, you know, it, yeah. it, it was heartbreaking and Music, which is everything, you know, just every song because of all the music memories mm-hmm. and everything, it was really difficult to listen to music, which is, you know, like plants and nature is a solace for me. And and it just, it, it was a really rough time. And then you turn that curve yeah. and all of a sudden, all of them, now I feel good. I can, li- yeah. I want to listen to those songs to have the happy memories. So it is, it just takes that time, but that sense memory is so special. You know, we used to live up in the mountains. Uh, Margo's in San Diego and we used to live up in Julian mm-hmm. and people would come up to Julian because every spring, like now it's lav- uh, not lavender, uh, lilac season. Lilacs. And it would, and mm-hmm. everybody had this memory of lilac in their lives. And especially it, it, a lot of times it was mostly the women who were really into it, like would remind them of their grandmothers or their mothers. Mm -hmm. And there's something about lilacs. And everybody would say, oh, wait till the lilac season and tell me all these stories. And then the lilac season happened. 
And now, like, if I if I even see a lilac, wild lilac, mm-hmm. or yeah. uh, cultivated lilac, now now I'm right back in Julian. It's like, yeah, it, that's my tie to it now. And it and I have all these memories of spring and Julian and people and you know. So it's it's amazing what plants do. And just even, I mean, there's so many studies about flower power, real flower power, bringing, mm-hmm. you know, just give someone the joy of flowers um, that just, you know, it goes beyond brightening your day, whether they're cut flowers or a plant. I always like to give plants because then they continue on. But, um, you know, Eric, one thing that I really, two things about your book that I really, I love the illustrations, by the way, mm-hmm. but also the fact that you're going through the seasons Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. One night, one goal. Stop suicide. On June 3rd, Washington, D.C. will host the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention's Out of the Darkness Overnight Walk. For the last 20 years, people have described the overnight as one of the most powerful experiences of their lives. Now is the perfect time for you to join us as people from all over the country come together to send a message of love and hope. Walk over 16 miles from dusk till dawn to raise funds and awareness for suicide prevention. See the landmarks of Washington, D.C. by moonlight. Form lasting friendships. Experience healing and bring hope to those affected by suicide. Join us. Be a part of something extraordinary. June 3rd in Washington, D.C. Register today at theovernight.org or call 888-THE-OVERNIGHT. That's theovernight.org or 888 843-6837. And going through like cabin fever, you know, we we all know about that, especially during COVID and we're getting out of winter slowly. I don't know, we're in Seattle. It's still winter for us, but not for people who live in Seattle. They're like, it's spring. It feels great. I'm going, what? But um, you go through the seasons and also bring in these, these projects. How important is it that there's doing versus just enjoying the look of a garden or but the doing part of it? Well, I mean, I think doing has a lot to do with, uh, to do with that. I mean, the, the, one of the things that I don't think people think about sometimes is that actually touching soil uh, increases your serotonin levels because uh, hmm. there is a bacteria in the soil that basically stimulates serotonin within your body. So you know, if you like to say, oh, I don't want to get my hands all dirty and messed up, you are taking away from some of the inherent wow. sort of nature high that you're going to get from playing in the soil. And, and I always say soil. Uh, we walk on dirt. We plant in soil. And so that's one of my, my pet peeves with my clients. It's like, no, 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 it's soil you're planting. You walk on dirt. And, and it's important wow. because in soil, there's life. I mean, you know, if you ever look at an area mm. sometimes, and nothing grows on it. It may be because there's nothing in there except, uh, you know, just old ground-up sand and maybe some asphalt and stone. There's, there's nothing nutritious 
about the soil. I mean, if you have good organic soil that's been composted and you have manure in it, there's all sorts of life in it. I mean, it's totally different in terms of the feel, the smell, and the life it gives. And, and that's one of the things that's great about that's great about gardening. And you know, just just being there with it. And one of the reasons I give these exercises is, you know, particularly, you know, up here in New England, people say, oh, my God, you can't do anything. It's horrible. Well, I mean, we, have, we grow microgreens. Uh, not, we don't have to grow them year-round, but that's one of the main things we do in the wintertime is that anybody with a window uh, and a little bit of space can grow microgreens in the wintertime up north. They're really mm. easy. They're super nutritious. And, again, it creates, it gives you life. And it, and it shows that, you know, even though it's February, you can have fresh cut greens that you grow mm. with your own hand that you cool. can, you know, sprinkle onto your salad. And if you're a little more ambitious, there's various types of, you know, uh, fairly low-tech types of uh, hoop houses and cold frames that you can right. create. I mean, we were, we were sure. harvesting salad. Uh, mm. until about the middle of January in our house. And then we got some cold spells where it went down to about five degrees Fahrenheit. And then right. at that point in time, all the protection you have in the world isn't going to do you very good. However, uh, because I did have a bunch of greens and things covered, I was able to pull carrots out of the ground through mid-February. Uh, and some, a number of the greens, uh, Claytonia and um, miner's lettuce, I was able to seed in the fall, and now they're, they're coming up full. So even though I'm in the middle of April, I'm beginning to harvest greens for my very own garden. Wow, wow. and you're doing miner's That's lettuce. Cool. That's so cool. We used to have miner's lettuce grow wild in Julian, back mm-hmm. to the yeah. lilac mm-hmm. land. Right. You know, and it's, it's, it's absolutely, it, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's absolutely delicious, delicious. And, it's, and it's so healthy for you. And, I mean, you know, it, it pretty much it, it self-seeds. So once you have it going in one place, it'll pretty much keep going. Makes I love tea. It makes I know. tea. It, 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 there's all kinds. I mean, there's clover that grows wild. I mean, that's the thing, mm. too. I think when people start getting into their garden and looking at what they have and what they don't have, what they want to, you know, that goes, oh, I want to do that. So that creates creativity. It creates, you know, inspiration and excitement and let's do, you know, instead of not do. But there's also things like dandelions and things like that that people mm-hmm. just typically just, you know, have the lawn service wipe it out and put chemicals yeah. on it. Well, right. You know. and, and, I mean, that's – I mean, I mean the thing is, mm-hmm. is that, uh, you know, when you start looking at that, I mean, monoculture is not just, in my mind, boring, but it's, it's also yeah. uh, Deadly. destructive. Uh, it's, it's bad. You know, so, I mean, for instance, you know, in, in my quote yard, I mean, I have what a lot, a lot of people wouldn't – like it, uh, particularly in the area that I live, because there's lots of quote-unquote weeds there. But those weeds uh, are part of our spring salads. So there's sorrel there, there's dandelions, there's plantain, there's clover, there's violets, uh, there's garlic mustard. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's probably 15 different greens that I can start to harvest in the next week or so from my yard. Uh, you, know, you know, we lived in Yuma, and we learned from living there for several months the winter crops of, of lettuce are grown in Yuma, which is nice. That's great. We all want lettuce, but it was so monoculture that the planting of the lettuce brought in the white fly, which Yuma never had before. They did the mm-hmm. monoculture. And it, and they're right. still struggling with it. You know, and well, it's the, <laughs> what are you going to do? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, again, that that's why when you plant stuff, you want to plant lots of different varieties yeah. of, you know, of anything. If, if it's a bush, if it's trees, I mean, you, you want to have, uh, and, and particularly, uh, you know, uh, herbaceous plants, you want to have a lot of different things because you never know what particular kind of pathogen is going to come by yeah. and mm-hmm. wipe them out. Uh, you don't know if, like you said, you're going to get white fly. And if you mm-hmm. have a lot of different things, then you have the opportunity to, you know, some things will do well and some things don't, but then you never give a food source that's so much that one particular species or pathogen winds up killing everything. So, mm. you know, and, and, and again, diversity is, I mean, I, I love it. I mean, yeah, I, I, think, I, I, love a, I love a rainbow mm-hmm. of plants and, and, and vegetables and, and people. I mean, I think, I think that's what makes life interesting and wonderful. You know, exactly. a, a single, uh, you know, if you have a lawn and it's just Kentucky bluegrass, uh, you are asking for problems unless yes. you uh, intervene in a very unorganic way. You know, any, yeah. anybody who mm-hmm. has a perfectly green lawn without a dandelion, without clover or no. any of those things on it, <laughs> you know, they ha- to get uh-uh. there, they have to apply a wide variety of inorganic uh, pesticides herbicides and fertilizer. That's the only way it survives. That's that's a huge thing. You know, Nancy and I doing all these parks and we travel the country, we, you know, not just national parks, but doing community parks. And the first thing we do is look at the grass in the park. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's been like a lot of certain like areas we go to. I'm like, dude, your parks are cool. They've got dandelions in in the grass and people look Mm -hmm. at us. I'm like, no, it means your parks department is doing the right thing. And then what? we went to one area, and um, and I don't, I'm just going to behave, but um, dogs were actually getting seizures from people walking their dogs, sniffing in the um, alley, the green, you know, when you walk mm-hmm. a dog, there's like often like, oh, here's the water, little, depending on where you are in the country, but there's like the water little, mm-hmm. it's like a little incline, and, and that's where the water soaks up. And dogs would want to go in there. And this neighborhood in Florida, I'm just saying, yeah. I'm getting close. They are getting closer. Hey, Stop it. Um, but these dogs got in there and ended and up in the vets, right. almost died because of seizures mm-hmm. from the pesticides and, you know, mosquito yeah. stuff that people were spraying, which I understand we kind of need that, but there's ways. Um, mm. So this people just, you know, walking their dog in their neighborhood, and next thing your dogs are having in, I mean, we're talking huge dogs having seizures, which is not funny, yeah. um, and that stays with them Dangerous. pretty much the rest of their life. And it's a, it's, it's not cool. So it's um, this diversity. Is so that's what I love about your book. It's like this is like a journal, and at the same time, it's a to-do thing. There's tips and everything, but getting planting at the same time too. No matter how you're doing it, and I mean and I mean organically nice to the land, the other part we have is so many of the perfect lawns and everything with the Roundup and all of that Mm -hmm. bad stuff, Mm -hmm. um, which Mm -hmm. takes out birds and Mm -hmm. nature, you know, the ecosystems. And if you plant with nature and wildlife, we're actually giving them a home instead of creating dead zones throughout our neighborhoods and communities. I mean, these just big plots of concrete don't do anything for birds and nature and that's not quality of life for humans either so i think the way you're doing this eric gives Mm. life not just for human beings but you're giving life for nature too and that does affect us 
Yeah, and that was part of the, you know, uh, I've been working, the place I've worked at the longest is Ann's place in Danbury, Connecticut. And, you know, when I got there, um, you know, the building, in fact, and the grounds were in the process of being put together. And when I looked at what was put there for garden design, it was sort of your typical corporate kind of design. Uh, you know, there were a bunch of plants, but there were very few natives. Uh, things were planted too closely. There weren't a lot of flowers. And, and nobody had asked about what kind of therapeutic needs uh, the clients would have. And so I came in and I basically tore up the old plan and started something new. But I, I left a lot of space open because what I wanted was our clients to have a hand in creating the gardens of the future. Mm -hmm. And so we've been able to do that. And so uh, basically with the everything uh, on the grounds, with the exception of 15,000 daffodils that are in there, which are coming up right now, which are absolutely spectacular, uh, are native mm. plants to New England. All right, so, so pretty much everything is native. So that's one of the things that we did first. And you do that for a bunch of reasons. One is that, uh, you know, I am managing, you know, a fairly large area there, and it's pretty much me and a few volunteers. So everything we pick basically has mm -hmm. to survive on its own. Uh, you know, as a, as a not-for-profit, we don't have a lot of money. I don't want to spend a lot of money on mm -hmm. plants. Things have to sort of exist and live on their own. So when you plant native plants, guess what? They're used to the environment. They're used to, you know, mm -hmm. things going up and things going down. Uh, you know, I had some people saying, oh, wouldn't it be beautiful to plant, you know, these, these hybrid tea roses? And I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> First of mm -hmm. all, they're not native. <laughs> and secondly, they're high maintenance and we're not going to do that. So we, yeah. and, and by doing it, by creating plants that are native to the area and creating many different interest zones that touch all the different senses for clients, uh, they can walk the grounds and, you know, find something that will interest them from uh, a smell perspective, from a taste perspective, from a touch perspective, from a sight perspective, from a hearing perspective. So what I've done is I've tried to design something that tickles all your five senses, regardless of mm -hmm. where you are. And by yeah. doing that, it creates surprise and joy for the clients because they find something new every time when they turn a corner. Uh, it, it, it's really true. One house we, we bought in Silmar, everybody had lawns, and I tore the lawn out, and the neighbors, there was actually two or three women in the neighborhood who started a petition that I must put the lawn back. <laughs> it's like, no. You know, and they, I, you know, just give me a couple months, you know, for things to start growing, and I I put in native plants, but I also brought in um, bulbs because I I had to calm everybody down and let the bulbs bloom and be pretty. So they're like, oh, wow, you know, that's kind of pretty. And, okay, give her a chance. And it took a couple of years before people calmed down. And I had the best garden, and people slow down and take pictures and like it because it was the only place on the whole street was color. Everything mm -hmm. else was just green lawn. And it was like, you know, come on, people. Get over the lawn. Well, you did a lot of wildflowers, Nancy. And then, also, yeah, so, you know, you can get bulbs natives. that are natural. You know, yeah. bulbs aren't not natural. Yep. But, you know, it's a desert climate, so it's not that easy all the time. But the lawn thing, first of all, the water bill and the waste, to me, Watering the lawn in the desert, 
unless mm. it's like a, for a football field or something. Come on, people. We need mm. our water. Margo, is that something you deal with in San Diego about water in your garden? Yeah, we, um, we've we been lucky this year to get a little bit more water, but cool. they were talking about having us cut back about 15% of okay. our water use and more fines and what have you. And mm. and we do, uh, the house we bought here when we moved in a couple of years ago uh, does have lawn in the front yard, and we keep mm. talking about wanting to take that out and... Uh, and change that uh, environment. The other thing I don't like is when it's just people take out the lawn and they put uh, the stones. You know, the, no, that's it's, not good. It's just a yard full of stones. That's not no. nature to me either. So no, I know it actually raises the heat. It raises the heat in that environment. It's not a good thing in 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 the warmer climates. It raises your your heat by your house. We measure it fifteen degrees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we were in 29 Palms, this one part was all gravel. I took it out because it raised the heat by the wall was 15 degrees higher than mm-hmm. a wall that didn't have gravel next to it. So you don't want to do that because your air conditioning bell goes up. So, yeah, well, get rid of the lawn, but don't put in the stones. That's I no. love this. We bring oh, no, a no, horticultural <laughs> therapist on the show, and Nancy goes on a complete rant. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> But but Eric, this is it's true. The diversity is key. It really is. And if you want to do like we were talking about earlier with Klaus on the show, that you know containers, that's different. You know, but what you're putting in your garden, you know, that is, it's it's really you can do successions. Like things start popping up. To me, one of the joys of gardening is walking around the garden every single day to see who's going to pop up. You know, mm-hmm. what's changed here? And you've got to look also for, hey, is there a caterpillar eating this? Now, is this is this going to be a good butterfly? Or, you know, what, what's going on? Are, are we going to help our monarchs, too? I think, you know, what do you think, Eric, about the projects like having a certified wildlife habitat and like a monarch way station? Is that something that you say is, is, is a good thing for people to get behind as a project? Oh, oh ab- yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's funny. Uh, about... Five years ago, uh, a um, uh, butterfly weed found its way in, in, uh, into one of our gardens, and you know, I had oh. a couple of people at the at the facility say, "Oh, we don't want this here," and I'm like, "Yeah, you do." And they go, "Well, why?" Mm-hmm. It's like because this is what monarchs will lay their caterpillars on mm-hmm. and feed on. So, you know, initially we had like one milkweed, and then we had two milkweed, and then, although, and then in the third year we started getting monarchs landing there and having you know caterpillars mm-hmm. so it was it was wonderful cool. um and then and then last year for some reason uh aphids i I'd never seen anything like it aphids wiped oh. out everything and i mean i've oh. been i took a vacation for like a week and a half and when i left there were a couple of aphids there and i and i sprayed with neem which is an organic or an organic yeah. uh, application yeah. which is good and safe and when i came back it, these plants were gone. They were decimated. So wow. uh, they, 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 a couple lived through, so I'm hoping to do it. But I had to educate everybody there in terms of this is beautiful. This is going to be a pollinator garden. We're helping the monarchs. And I, and I think that's, that's a big challenge is that people need to be educated because you can't have beautiful monarchs unless you had food for the caterpillars. 
And so, you know, and if the only food for a caterpillar is milkweed. That's, that's mm. it. If you're a monarch, you've got to have milkweed. Otherwise, that's right. you know, it, it's not going to happen. So I think part of it is just an, an, an overall education. I, I think with mm. people in general don't necessarily appreciate what they have and maybe until it's too late, it's gone. I mean, if you like to have all sorts of different birds and you like to have different mm-hmm. butterflies and all that, you need to have all sorts of different plants and they need to be native uh, because those are the ones that the, the birds and the bugs and the butterflies will, will feed properly on. So, I mean, and I think that's all part of, uh, of just sort of trying to be one with nature and, and, and living it um, in, in sort of a happy way versus trying to force uh, your particular will uh, on the ground. And whenever you're, I think we try to do that, it always winds up in a bad way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think this is – I love the education part of it because you've got a, those aphids, but then that's what the little goldfinches get to come and eat. I was going to so, say, do you have goldfinches? Uh, <laughs> at, that, at this time of year, not so much. They're more, they're more further north, so you know nothing was picking them off. I mean, and oh. they just, they just, and in oh. fact, they took, they took out everything. They didn't touch the sunflowers. I, we have this little area that I created called a pollinator garden. So mm. we have sunflowers there. We have anise hyssop. We have milkweed. Uh, we have lavender. So it's, and the reason mm. this area got like this is because. Uh, it's next to a parking lot. It's very hot. It's also where oh. they they dump a lot of salt and sand when they plow the area. So for five or six mm-hmm. years, I tried to grow all sorts of different stuff there, and nothing would take. I finally found a bunch of plants that would grow there and stay there and persist. Uh, so milkweed milkweed is one of them. So I think this year we'll be starting. You know, the milkweed will come back. Uh, I got some pods and I did some self seeding in the fall. So uh, I think we'll, mm. we'll be fine. But, again, it's just all part of sort of nature's cycle. And, you know, hopefully mm. if we have an aphid problem this year, I won't be on vacation so I can deal with it in a bit of a better way. Mm. You know, I, I love this because, you I know, go garden you to, now. <laughs> yeah, you just have to keep, you know, working on this. But, um, you know, it's, it is one of those trial and error things, and mm-hmm. because each place, I mean, you can have a garden. I mean, I almost feel like throwing some of these books out that say this zone and only this zone and this is only, because things are shifting with our well, climate. Shift, and yes. well, it, that's just where you are. I, I mean, I posted yeah. an item a couple of days ago on Instagram showing my spindly, horrible-looking forsythia uh, next to a beautiful, bright yellow forsythia, t- literally 200 yards away. And oh. the, the focus of the post was microclimates. So I mm. live uh, basically on a north-facing hill full of rock. And so mm. the environment, it's always cold. It's not sunny. And so my forsythia are looking. I mean, I, I see maybe, you know, a few little flowers right now, but kind of pathetic-looking forsythia. Yeah, literally less than 200 yards away, beautiful yellow forsythia bushes. So oh. uh, I think, you know, <laughs> zones are interesting for sort of rough cutting it, but at the end of the day, you everybody needs to look at their microclimates and the nature hmm. of where they are. You know, are you on a north-facing hill? Are you on a south-facing hill? Do you have a lot of rock in the ground? Do you get a lot hmm. of shade? I mean, all of those things, and then what's the nature of your soil? Is it very sandy? Is it acidic? Is it alkaline? I mean, just so all of those things really determine what you can grow easily and what you hmm. maybe shouldn't try to grow. Right. Absolutely. That's hmm. true. Yeah, it's it's a huge project and it's fun, you know. It's fun it and is. everything does change and 
You know, climates change. Microclimates are in every different. I mean, yesterday here in Seattle, it was raining by one window, but not the other window, and they're like not even five feet away from each other. I mean, that's right. how the world this works. Weird. It's great. But Eric, it, it's been a real pleasure having you mm. on the show and excited about your book. And I think it's going to be something people can really get into and follow month by month. You can pick it up now and start on April or go into May and get started uh, with projects and just kind of, you know, sink into it. So everyone, the website, again, is growhappy.com. That's G-R-O, growhappy.com. And it's Eric Keller, and that's E-R-I-K, Keller. And uh, you can go get it. It's a therapist garden out wherever you buy books, and hopefully it's from a local bookstore or bookshop.org. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we want to support our locals. And, uh, of course, thank you, Eric, for joining us. And hopefully we'll see you in Connecticut. Who knows? I, I don't well, know how uh, far you are from where we are, but where we'll be. Uh, well, but, um, we're, we're at the opposite end, but if you're if you're passing through the Danbury area, I'd be happy to give you a tour of Anne's place. Oh, that would be cool. absolutely awesome to see what that. you guys are doing there. I love it so much. But uh, thank mm. you so much for joining us. Well, and thank you for having me. You've been very kind. Oh, you take care. All, All right. right. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. That's so Bye-bye. much fun. I know. It is so cool what he's what he's doing. I want to go back. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.